Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to an Earth Refuge Faces interview. My name is Gabby Utomo, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with Melinda Martinus, uh, who's a wonderful guest. Melinda is currently our lead researcher at Yusuf Ishak Institute, or also known as the Institute of Southeast Asian Studies, where they um, focus on research for social, political, security, and economic trends, as well as development in Southeast Asia. Uh, within Yusof Ishak Institute, Melinda's research centers on the ASEAN Smart Cities Network, mainstreaming of climate change, and also urban resilience. Melinda, it's lovely to have you here with us today. Nice to talk to you, Gibby. Yeah. So um, maybe to start off, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, where you are currently, and what it is that you do? Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Melinda Martinez. Uh, as Gabby mentioned, uh, I'm a lead researcher at the Institute of Southeast Asian Studies, Yusuf Ishak Institute, based in Singapore. My research looks at climate vulnerabilities and risk in Southeast Asian cities. I look at specifically at how can policies better integrate climate adaptation and urban development strategies. I'm originally from Jakarta, Indonesia one of the most climate vulnerable cities in the world. Yeah, that's really, that's really exciting because I'm also from Jakarta, so we have that in common. Um, so I know that you worked also at an NGO before, or maybe even still currently. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? So uh, before joining ISIS, uh, I was a program manager at Kotakita Foundation. It's an NGO based in Solo, Indonesia. There, uh, I work mainly with uh, national and local governments in Indonesia in shaping climate policies for cities. I, I remember at a time, maybe three or uh, five years ago, the issue of climate resilience was really gaining ground. Uh, many research points out that so these Asian cities are vulnerable to climate impacts such as uh, rising sea levels, uh, inland floods, droughts, landslides, and more extreme weather in the coming years. Uh, a study also indicates that five Southeast Asian cities, uh, namely Manila, uh, Bangkok, Yangon, Jakarta, and Ho Chi Minh City are among the world's top 10 most vulnerable cities to climate change. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, so I guess, how has that worked at an NGO where you kind of work more hands-on with the government, translated into your current work, which is, I think, a little bit more academic and sort of uh, research-based on cities and then also on climate surveys? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I work in a completely different scale now. Um, uh, my uh, the current institute that I work with now mainly um, focuses on building discourse on this issue across the region. Uh, while my previous work uh, allowed me to work with uh, local governments and and city uh, local governments and national governments, uh, mainly who were doing climate policies and urban policies uh, in, in my home country, Indonesia. But I think the issue is still the same. I, I, I still, I'm still interested in looking at uh, climate risk in city, in Southeast Asian cities context. Uh, 
we should bear in mind that uh, climate risks are not uh, are not the only single problem in the cities. Uh, the cities will be rapidly growing, attracting more people and economic activities that could increase pressure on infrastructure, um, government resources, and of course the environment. We have seen that urbanization uh, brings challenges like housing shortage, air pollution, and uh, traffic congestion. For instance, in my hometown, Jakarta, you can be stuck in traffic for hours during, during rush hours, right? Uh, and then also we should bear in mind that uh, these cities, these Southeast Asian cities are also extremely unequal. The urban poor often uh, suffer adver uh, the adverse effects of climate change. Uh, for example, uh, slum dwellers uh, living across river banks, um, fishermen who potentially got displaced because of rising sea levels, uh, and then maybe urban citizens living, living on steep slopes prone to landslides. Also farmers living in peri-urban areas whose land got desertified. So uh, basically in, in my center now, me and my colleagues uh, try to shape the discourse of climate resilience across the region. We believe that there are a lot of uh, good lessons that can be learned between Singapore, uh, Jakarta, Manila, Yangon, and many growing cities across the region. Uh, about the survey, I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, we launched the Southeast Asia Climate Outlook Survey report last year. It was the first comprehensive report, I would say, uh, that specifically analyzes uh, Southeast Asian's perspective on climate change in Southeast Asian countries. Uh, we found uh, a lot of interesting findings from the report. Um, for instance, um, Southeast Asian youths uh, are more likely than any other age groups um, to be actively engaged uh, in climate advocacy, which is very important because this region is, is very young. Uh, they are very youthful. Uh, they are driving the economic growth. And uh, we also found that so these Asians think that national governments, individual and business should be, business, businesses and industries should be responsible for tackling climate change, uh, which is quite positive attitude, I would say, uh, because they believe that the private sector, uh, which is uh, one of the main actor in, in this region in driving economic growth, uh, can play an important role, right? Uh, uh, in, in these uh, climate uh, strategies. Uh, they can play roles such as uh, uh, adopting to um, green supply chain practices. Uh, they can promote sustainable practice in their uh, organization. Also, they can provide green investment and financing. And I think uh, in, in regards to climate policies in cities, uh, that, that survey report also uh, came with a lot of interesting findings. Uh, we, we found that although many cities uh, across the region have been increasingly involved in 
in building and shaping their climate programs. Uh, so these Asian citizens are not fully aware of climate programs being implemented in their cities. Uh, for instance, uh, the survey uh, indicates that climate measures such as uh, promotion of public transport, recycling measures, uh, including prohibition of single-use plastic, and then air quality measures and flood protection are quite well known among Southeast Asian citizens. Meanwhile, measures such as tax incentive on hybrid and electric vehicles and, and physical conservation measures, for example, zoning and land uh, regulation are less well known to the public. This is indeed uh, an in important issue to look at because the uh, citizens can, can definitely uh, participate in, in many climate programs because their behavior can help uh, cities to reduce their carbon footprints. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think one of the things you mentioned in an article that you shared, which I think we will be able to make available in a link below, um, is this idea of like coordination between policies and also citizen participation, um, yeah. which I think you can very much see in public transportation, but I think maybe a little bit more difficultly in issues such as physical zoning. Um, can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I guess there are a lot of uh, scales that we can look at, uh, at mm -hmm. climate policies at city's level. Uh, we can probably differentiate first between adaptation and mitigation, right? Usually adaptation is related to uh, uh, to help people uh, equip with uh, knowledge, with with capacities to to handle uh, the, the 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 climate impacts, and then uh, climate mitigation usually uh, push people to really do something to reduce their carbon footprints. I think both are are completely important uh, because, uh, yeah, uh, basically. Uh, citizens uh, can take action at their individual level and generate the collective vision for cities. Uh, the buy-in of citizens is also vital uh, for, for government officials because uh, it will determine the success of environmental program in cities. Mm, okay. Um, so I think it's really exciting that you're working with Southeast Asia because it's so small but so big so populated and very diverse as well so mm -hmm. is it a struggle for you to kind of study all these very different very sort of um dynamic cities or is that maybe not so much of a challenge um compared to some other challenges that you may you might face i think as a as an urban resilient researcher i find um climate change issues in southeast asian cities are uh, extremely complex. Um, there is um, a dynamic interplay be between climate vulnerabilities and then the pressure of urbanization or growth and also poverty's, poverty. Uh, these three problems are often intertwined and make uh, policy making extremely hard to do, right? Especially if, if um, those, those cities' capacities are, are limited, resource, resources are limited, and also 
priorities are very hard to define. Uh, for example, maybe the urban planners in, in those cities may say that building climate infrastructure, um, zoning and land use regulation might be necessary, but um, social development expert might propose programs such as uh, cash transfer to help the poor first out of poverty and then climate uh, scientists may say that there is uh, a need to incorporate greater transparency and accountability in policy making. So this, this dynamic is, is really interesting in, in the context of Southeast Asian cities. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess it, what's, what does the discourse look like um, in building climate change across Southeast Asia? How is it different maybe in a couple of different cities? Could you give us some stories maybe? Yeah, uh, yeah, the, this three dynamic interplay uh, I mentioned to you, um, contestation between the pressure of growth, uh, the needs to increase uh, climate resilience and, and also poverty dynamic um, is, is really complicated. We can see this, this problem appears in the Great Garuda project in Jakarta, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little bit about the, uh, a little bit background about the project for those of you who don't know. Um, so the government of Jakarta uh, introduced uh, a program called the Great Garuda Project uh, as a response to severe flooding and rising sea levels. And uh, they selected these uh, Dutch engineers uh, for designing a grand master plan consisting of a seawall and several reclaimed lands. Uh, I mentioned to you that the project was estimated to cost around $40 billion. Uh, therefore, uh, there is a need for uh, financing from property developers, but the project receive a lot of criticism because uh, uh, there was a corruption scandal involving government official and property developer. And there was also a moral controversy issue over the mass eviction of fishermen communities living, living along the coast. So from this, this uh, issue, we can see that, that sometimes uh, the, the, the effort to build um, climate solutions in cities are often, often complex. Um, they're often contested and politicized. So definitely this, this dynamic is, is, is uh, very important to look at for us as uh, urban resilience uh, researchers. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think when you mentioned poverty a little bit ago, um, I mean, I, I think just from a non-experienced person's point of view, you can see that countries like Singapore that don't necessarily struggle with poverty maybe are doing better in the sense of building climate resiliency. Um, I guess from your personal experience living in Singapore, how have you seen that in your day-to-day -day life? Um, and maybe has it, has it changed? Has there been any particular trends um, in this growth during the pandemic in particular, or maybe the past couple of years? Yeah, I think I think there is definitely uh, a lot of issues to look at, yeah, even even in a tiny, wealthy state like Singapore, who we always think that this is a, a really model of uh, 
urban planning and really a model of climate resilience because they, the, the country successfully uh, introduced a lot of programs, uh, for example, like uh, the expansion of public transportation to really uh, reduce uh, people's dependency on, on private cars. And then uh, the country is really amazing in doing uh, uh, in greening their 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 country, you can see a lot of parks, beautiful parks in Singapore, uh, helping the cities uh, retain water and uh, reduce the the risk of flooding. That's that's completely interesting. But uh, in the past couple couple of months, during during the uh, the COVID crisis, I noticed that a lot of civil society organizations are concerned over. Uh, the ways uh, from food delivery services, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting to look at because because uh, definitely uh, uh, there is there is a a correlation for sure between between waste management, um, climate change, and and uh, efforts to make cities more sustainable. Yeah, this is one 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 thing. Uh, which gains a lot of traction in Singapore now. And then uh, another thing I would say that there are also uh, a lot of dialogues on how Singapore can cool uh, their, their, their state because uh, right now uh, heat wave uh, is really happening. If you go to Singapore now, it's, it's extremely, extremely hot and uh, as, as a result of, of both uh, building a lot of uh, tall buildings and then also uh, climate, uh, climate uh, risk. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of scientists are, are, are looking into, into this issue. Is this something that's maybe a trend in Southeast Asia more generally as well? Or what are some other trends that you might see across uh, the countries of Southeast Asia in terms of building uh, resilience and like facing climate change issues in recent years? Uh, I would say maybe this is not a specific trend to, to Southeast Asia, uh, mm. especially on, on, on the climate, uh, on climate issues, but uh, there are also uh, a lot of uh, studies indicate that Southeast Asian secondary cities uh, uh, who uh, that that have uh, around five hundred thousand to two million population are go are going to grow rapidly. These cities uh, are, for example, uh, Surabaya and then uh, Semarang, uh, Davao in in the Philippines. And, and then uh, Danang, Johor Bahru, uh, there, there are a lot of uh, cities across Southeast Asia within this size. So yeah, the, the cities are also increasingly look into, into uh, the intersection between urban management and, and climate resilience in, the, in, in, their, in their localities. I would say this, this, this will attract a lot of traction too. Do you find that maybe primary cities are more mindful of climate change issues compared to these secondary cities? And is it when they're pushed over sort of to the side of primary cities that they begin to be more um, 
maybe intentional about their climate policies? The problem with uh, with these cities, I mean, the, the secondary cities, they are mm -hmm. very resource limited, right? Unlike those mm -hmm. uh, metropolitan cities of Jakarta, uh, Manila, Kuala Lumpur, those can easily attract a lot of uh, collaboration uh, with, with the private sector to build, for example, uh, uh, like in Jakarta recently, we had a new MRT line, right? That's, that's one of way to, to look at it. So yeah, for, for those big cities, it's, it's, it's no problem for them to attract a lot of funding to fund their, their, their projects on, on uh, reducing carbon footprints or, or building climate resilience. But for these this secondary cities, sometimes they are, they are facing a lot of struggle in, in, this, in this financing. So that's, that's another thing to look at. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, and maybe this will be a nice sort of pivot to my last question for you today, which is if you could give us at Earth Refuge one piece of advice or an important area that we should research further or adjust when drafting toolkits or promoting awareness, what would it be? Mm, uh, as, a, as an urban um, resilience researcher, I would say that maybe uh, there are a lot of issues to be looked at at, at cities uh, level. Uh, I would say that looking at a scalable issue, looking at a specific group who are vulnerable to climate change in, in the urban context, for example, maybe uh, focus more on, on fishing communities and then uh, maybe migrant workers who are living in slum areas across the riverbank and then and then uh, uh, women, uh, the the other vulnerable population, which uh, are really vulnerable to to climate change, would be interesting to look at. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Melinda, for your time and your your wisdom and your experience, sort of your sharing of your experience as a climate resilient researcher. Thank you, Gabrielle. I hope yeah. it's useful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.